It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to episode 25 of Bruins Beat, brought to you by CLNS Radio. I'm Mike, joined alongside Jason, as always, bringing you all the Bruins news. And then the Bruins news will pretty much be coming to an end. Or, if you want to say just heating up, either way you, you look at it, I'm going to say heating up because there's a lot of question marks surrounding this Bruins team now. As the Boston Bruins do not clinch a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. They are officially eliminated from the playoffs. Even though the Islanders-Flyers game has not happened yet, it does not matter because the Bruins are officially mathematically eliminated. And we'll get into all that great stuff about how the Bruins got into got eliminated this week with all their crappy performances. But I want to start with the Bruins' seven million dollar goaltender Tuukka Rask. And I've always been a I've always been supportive of Rask. I've always thought he was an elite goaltender. I always thought the Bruins could win with him. They just got to the Stanley Cup Finals with him two years ago against Chicago. I was or three years ago, I always said, I think Tuka Rask can win you a cup. I said, I think he's a good goaltender. I, I don't think there are better goaltenders out there than him, maybe like five or six. But after Tuka, what Tuka, Tuka Rask did Saturday afternoon, in the biggest game of the year, he does not play. And he gets out there for warm-ups, and I'm like, you know, I'm on my phone, and all of a sudden I see Jeremy Smith being recalled from Providence on an emergency basis. Jonas Gustafson leads the Bruins out for the game. What the hell is that? And also, I I think Tuukka Rask's hurt. If he's hurt, I'll give him. I, I'll, I'd be still be pissed, but I'll give him a little bit more leeway. No, he didn't feel well. He was sick. And this is this is garbage. Absolute garbage. You get paid to be an elite player. You have Patrice Bergeron playing Game Six of the Stanley Cup Finals with a punctured lung and a broken rib, and you're telling me you can't play with a little sickness? And a must-win game. Because if you didn't realize, Tuka, Detroit lost to the Rangers. So if you won that game and, you know, helped your team win, you'd be in the playoffs. You'd be a three-seed playing Tampa Bay, who's all beat up right now. Half their roster's on the IR. Tuka Rask is an absolute fraud. He's a joke. He did the same thing for Team Finland in the Olympics when they were playing Sweden. And the semifinals to get to the gold medal game, he didn't play because he was sick. And you look at that and you say, you're playing for your country. You're playing for your team. You get paid to play hockey. The only reason you shouldn't have been playing is if you were on your deathbed. I don't care what, you, what your excuse was to grasp. If you weren't on your deathbed, you should have played yesterday. I would have had more guts if you played yesterday and gave up six goals and lost 6-1 and even and not complained about being sick. I would have given you a little bit more leeway, but since you didn't play and you lost, you look even worse. You get paid to play goaltender. You're one, you want to be one of the elite goaltenders in the NHL, then prove it and play through a sickness that obviously you can take warm-ups with. Oh, I'm so fired up about Tuukka Rask. I'm all set with Tuukka Rask. If, if, I'm, if I'm Don Sweeney, the first person I'm looking to trade is Tuukka Rask. I'm looking to trade off half this team after seeing Tuukka Rask and what he did yesterday. I know a lot of people make up the excuse, oh, well, it was coming out both ends. Oh, well, 
You suck it up. You you heard Michael Jordan in his flu game, the way he played. You suck it up. It's the biggest game of the season. Your season comes down to this. You can't rely on Jonas Gustafsson as a goaltender in the biggest game of the season. It's your job. And I'm all for trading him. I I, I mean, his contract's $7 million, so you mean you free up money. And now I just, I like I said, I used to defend Rask, but I just don't see how the Bruins are going to win a Stanley Cup with Rask now. He taps out when it matters most. How do you think that looks on the team? When all look at the Canadians. Look at the Canadians game early in the season. Yeah, when he didn't play in Montreal, and me and you were blasting him for not playing, and he said, "Oh, I, you know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to rest, and he didn't want to be in there. He didn't care about Julian's decision." Come on, Tuca. Like you, like I gave, I given you so many passes, and now I'm done. I'm done giving you passes. You just ruined it. You, you just ruined it for for me personally. You tapped out in the Olympics against Sweden. You tapped out against Montreal earlier this year. And now you tapped out in the regular season finale. Win and you're in, pretty much. That's what you need and, to do. And this is the biggest thing. I'm going to say this because I'm going to give up some of the entire season. You're supposed to be the $7 million goaltender. So when your defense breaks down, you're supposed to bail your team out. Instead, he sucked this year. He was a 26th and 28th ranked for goals against and save percentage this year. He's an average goaltender at best. And you're paying an average goaltender $7 million? I'd rather trade him and get Steve Mason in there. I, I don't. At four million. I, I don't care. At this point, I don't care I'm, who's going to be in there next year. I don't want Tuukka Rask in there. And how do you think it looked on the to the players who were getting ready for the game, right? And all of a sudden, Tuukka Rask is like in the in the corner, not trying to take warmups because he doesn't feel well. That start you start the game, you just go, oh great, thanks Tuukka, thanks for helping out with us. Ready to show up there. Everyone else is ready. Like it just looks bad in the locker room. I don't know. How- and then you have to wonder what he ate that night before to really cause himself to feel that way, and if it was done on purpose. I don't know if it was done on purpose, but I get what you're saying. You have to like, you should know what you what you can eat and what you can't eat before a game. You've been in the league long enough. You should know. Like, there's no, I just I can't fathom that how Tugarath did not play yesterday. I don't care what that. Like I said, he wasn't on his deathbed. He wasn't, and you, you so you get out there and you play, you play. You have to play that game. I don't it's care a if you're puking on the ice. Play. You have to. You at least have to go into that, go in there into that first period and try. And, and I can understand if you're not feeling good after the first period and it's still fighting it, but at least he's trying. Yeah, he, he didn't even give it an effort. He just tapped out. It was. It was and that's the frustrating part. Not, that's the, yeah, that's the, sum, that's the sum of this Bruins team. Yeah, typical of the Bruins season. Your your highest one of your highest paid players taps out, so the rest of the team taps out with them. And that's and that's really it's the sum of the Bruins season, and it sh- it shows the Bruins really what the Bruins really lack. Yeah, it does. I, I'm just all I'm fed up with that. Also, I want to touch on um, briefly in a few minutes. I want to touch on Don Sweeney's moves, but I want to do the the game breakdowns earlier this show because I think we're gonna have a lot to get to with breaking down the Bruins roster, breaking down Don Sweeney's moves and stuff like that, but. I had to get the- and we're, we're going to keep it brief because we already know the bad news in the end. So we're going to keep this brief and just do, do a quick breakdown. Yeah, we'll just do quick breakdowns of the game and then we'll get into all the juicy stuff and go from there. Because I know Jason and I can probably have a another three-hour show about just constantly ripping the Bruins. But we'll we'll try and keep it short and sweet for you guys. And then we'll have uh, some nice little playoff predictions coming uh, your way out also. But just do the quick game breakdowns. Um, the Bruins, you know, they gave up a sixth spot to Chicago right out of the gate. And, you know, you're, you're playing one of the best teams in the league, I get it. But to give up six goals, that was a joke. And you just and the comeback didn't matter. No, that just set the tone for the week. You just go, okay, here we go. 
after a great you after know. a good win against St. Louis, you figure even though they kind of gave up the lead a little bit, they still won the game. They scored six goals against St. Louis, who was shutting out opponents throughout the whole week before they played the Bruins. So, you know, okay, Chicago, six, you know, it's going to be a tough game against Chicago. They have some skill. Six nothing. You gave up six goals, and. I don't and Rask. And who was in that that game? Well, I don't. I know. Well, but, yeah, a seven million dollar goalie. I know. I I don't blame Rask for a save for this one because Chicago. No, our defense is awful. Chicago, I'm not gonna. Chicago had some great opportunities. Patrick Kane's in a breakaway. You have Panner and Kane coming down two on one. You have Hoster and Taze coming down two on one. It's like that's an absolute joke. The Bruins didn't show up for the first two periods. They decided to play for the third period. Made a made it a little bit interesting, but they was they only made it six to four. And it just goes – and the frustrating part of that game is obviously the frustrating part for the whole Bruins season is they don't show up for these two periods. But when they want to show up, they look pretty good. But they don't, sh- can, they don't can, show up Can enough. I point something out real quickly? Go ahead. Can I point something out? The last – the three players that have played the best for the Bruins this week, you know who the names were? Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and David Pasternak. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know for this week. It's those three players – which which says something. Pastor Nack being the biggest. So, the, you know, yeah, the Bruins made a, good, a little bit of a comeback, and then you look at it and you just say, well, why couldn't you start the game like that? But no, of course it didn't. And then you get the – so then, then the Bruins still control their own destiny. They play Carolina, they play Detroit, and they play Ottawa. Win all three, you're in. No, doesn't matter. Win all three. No matter what, no matter how. Even if you win the Carolina game, you you put yourself in better in better shape because you were playing Detroit the next night. I mean the the next game, so you beat Carolina, you go two you go two points ahead of Detroit, and then you play Detroit, you beat them, and all of a sudden you're in the playoffs. But no, the Bruins come. Carolina shut us down. The Bruins come out against Carolina. They score one goal on like 40 shots. They didn't even look like they were. And the and the goal we scored was lucky due to a bad line change. Exactly, and it didn't even look like the Bruins were even. Trying to win that game, you would have thought the Bruins clinched the playoff playoffs a month ago with the way they wanted to play that game. And the Bruins, like you said, they luckily tie it. But you know what the biggest story learned that came out of this game was Claude Julian. Why that? Lineup? Bingo. Yep. Bingo. The reasons that you need to fire Julian. We'll get into that later. And yeah, the Brad Marchand and David Krejci, two of your most skilled and productive forwards, did not shoot in the playoffs. He sent out a defenseman and Tory Krug, and that deserves a ton of criticism. Ton of criticism. I, I, even though the Bruins didn't show up this game, but still, Julian, you have to have the urgency too. If you realize your team's not playing well, you got into a shootout somehow because even I don't know how you got into a shootout because they sucked in this game. You're in a shootout. You put out your best players. Your Tugarast saved five straight shootout attempts. There's nothing else he can do for you. I mean, you have to send out the best players. You have Brad Marchand, who scored 37 goals this year. 37. And you don't use him in a shootout. I don't understand why. No, I don't get that either, and it's frustrating. But it's the sum of the Bruins season. It's, and that brings us to Thursday, the biggest game of the season period. The, the game that they had to win. And they showed up. The Bruins actually showed up against Detroit. On the stick of David Pasternak. This is... Unbelievable because you looked at the last two games and you say, "Where is the urgency? You are not in the playoffs." And they lose to Carolina and they don't control their own destiny anymore. And then they want to show up against Detroit. 
And I get it. When it's pretty much mathematically over based on luck because they need all the help in the world. And I get it. You're playing Detroit and a win, you know, puts you in better position to get into the playoffs. But why did it take you until Thursday to show up? I don't understand. And was it because you were playing a better, a good, a decent team? I know, I know Detroit's not a great team, but they're they're a pretty good team. So what? When you're not playing the crap teams of the league against like Carolina, New Jersey, all the other teams that you've sucked against all season long too. The Bruins showed up. They won five five two. They they came out of the gate. They scored two goals early. David Pasternak took the tone. Brad Marchand scored right after. And you're looking at it, you go, oh, where is this Bruins team all season long? Where? They played a full 60-minute game. The defense played well. The forwards played well. Rask wasn't really tested, so I'm not going to say Rask played well. But the the whole team played pretty well. And it was a good win. And you go, awesome. And I even said to, to you and people in the CLNS Bruins chat that I said, it would be so typical Bruins for them to win like this and then lose on Saturday. But you expected it. Yeah, because that's we expected that's it. We all knew it was going to happen. That's why I said it would be so Bruins, so Bruins to do that. Because the Bruins have a knack for in the biggest games of the season to not show up. Nope, they haven't showed up all season long. Go, you go from the Winter Classic losing five to one to playing the Kings losing nine to two in Lucic's return. You play the Ducks, you lose six to two on national television against Chicago. You're down six nothing. On NBC Sports against the Rangers, you lose five to one or five to two, whatever it was. Every time that you looked at it and you said, "Oh, the Bruins, this is a good, this should be a good test for them," they wilt under the pressure. They have no guts. They have no balls. They have no heart. This team—they have no identity. No identity. They have nothing. And you know what? And this is this this is a bad place to be in the NHL. You have no identity, and your team doesn't care. What the hell are you gonna do then? And your future is looking grim anyway. So. And the Bruins start the Bruins started the game yesterday against Ottawa up one nothing. David Pasternak, and I'm gonna say this straightforward because I mentioned Pasternak earlier. That first period, all you could see, the only name you could hear people talking about was David Pasternak. Every single shift. Every single time he was out there. He was playing in. And why why wasn't that anyone else? He was your youngest player. The kid's 19 years old. Why is he your best player in a must-win game? And you have to wonder, and this is this could be the bright spot in the Bruins' future if they right coach, if they can get the right coach and get Rudy Julian, which is my hope. So because this kid's got a bright future. And the Bruins, so the Bruins score the first goal, and then almost, and Ottawa still outplayed them in the first period. They had they had more shots than them. It was shots were like seventeen to nine. Ottawa was pumping away. Seventeen to ten, Ottawa. Ottawa was out shooting them. Yeah, they were pumping away shots, and you sit there and you go, the Bruins better wake up in the second period. What you thought they, but you, you, but you could feel it. You could feel it, and yeah, the garden was tense. People watching the game I was like, I don't have a good feeling about this game. And then the, the second period, Ottawa scores four straight goals, and I know they ended up scoring six in the first straight. ten minutes. I mean, it's it was just baffling, and and you knew when you were watching that Detroit game, Detroit was watching the score. At that point, Detroit didn't care when they saw the score. They knew. The, the, I mean. It's just embarrassing, absolutely embarrassing. You can afford to Ottawa, a, a team that's been eliminated for like two, three weeks now. They didn't have anything to play for. What the hell do they care? And that's the thing that's scary about these about these teams. These teams with nothing to play for are going to play their hearts out because they can because they got nothing to lose. They're going home anyway. That's when you got to elevate your game as a hockey team if you want to be in the playoffs. And like you said, you could just tell the Bruins were going to do that. You just knew it. 
And then the third period, the two shorthanded goals that Ottawa scored when Boston tried emptying the net out of desperation. You, you knew that was going to happen. Well, the one other thing, too, is that the Bruins are down 4-1, to and they have a power play, and they have Bergeron out there, and all of a sudden, like, there's a, there's a whistle and a face-off, and Julian takes Bergeron off the ice. And then the Ottawa wins, wins the face-off and scores on the ensuing dump. And I said, I, 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 even though it was 4-1, to I literally said, why are you changing Bergeron there? You're down by three goals on a power play. Bergeron's your best face-off, man. You don't take him off the ice in a power play. Play him the whole two minutes on the power play. I don't care. After the power play is over, take him off. Because you need to score you need to score there. Exactly. And when this game ended, like when I when you make when you heard the announcement that Pittsburgh wasn't play, playing Crosby or Latang, like you almost knew at that point it was over. Yeah, once you once you saw that, you were like, okay, the Bruins have to win. They have to win. And they didn't show up. Nothing. No. No grit. And then last-ditch hope of the Flyers losing didn't help them either. Nope. The Flyers quit after the Bruins. Uh, the Flyers would need to lose both games or lose one game in overtime and lose the other game in regulation. Did not happen. They, happen went, went. they absolutely dominated that game. Yeah, you know, one of their, one of their best players, Wayne Simmons, you know, actually showed up. That's usually what has to happen. And they did. They got it. So, there you go. Your 2015-2016 Boston Bruins are, once again, eliminated from the playoffs. After being in the playoffs in the month of March, the Bruins go 3-11 down the stretch. And it's a carbon copy of last year. Same exact thing. You know what this comes down to? Coaching? It comes down to management and personnel. Management, coaching, and leadership. There's no, Everything. there's no leadership on this team. Nothing. I love Bergeron. I do love Chara. I well, I, I don't like. I mean, I'd get rid of Chara if I could now. But love Bergeron. But there's nothing. There's no leadership. There's no identity. What is this? What is this team? Who are they? Like you said before, to start the show. I would take calls on half the roster. I would take calls on Krejci. I'd take calls on Rask. No offense to Krejci. Krejci's been a great player for this team. But you can see it. He's not the same player. He's dealing with groin issues. You can tell. Not even just that. You just need to change up the, the style of your team. You need to get new players in here. You need to get. And you have to wonder because you know every you hear the name coming up. You hear people want to get rid of Neely. You hear it's it's like a fifty fifty consensus on Julian for a lot of the Bruins fans and a lot of the Bruins writers from what I'm seeing. I paid attention to this yesterday. A lot of people still want to keep Julian. I just think that's a mistake if you're going to make big changes, especially with the way last year ended when it took them three weeks to decide whether they were, they were going to keep Julian. All right, at well, look, at it, look at it this way, too. The last three seasons with Julian in Boston, well, just the last three, you go, you have the best team, you win this, the President's Trophy, right? And that, that team was a, a wagon. They had one of the best Bruins teams in, in a long time in that season. You had Jerome McGinley. You had your best chance at winning yeah, the Yeah, Jerome McGinley, but even the defense was good. They still had Boychuk. They had all their top guys still. Uh, Riley Smith played well for the Bruins that year, too. The Sagan trade looked okay. Not that I agree with trading Sagan from the beginning, because I didn't, but it looked okay, because Riley Smith was playing well. Lee Erickson was playing well, so it looked okay there. You win the President's Trophy. You go up a game to Montreal, right? You're up three games to two against Montreal. You then you lose both games to get eliminated from the playoffs. After that team was probably the best team the Bruins have had in a long time. The Bruins should have gone to the Stanley Cup that year. They were really good and they blew it. Then last year, the Bruins are in the playoffs in March. 
And what do they do? They go, they lose down the stretch. They lose the last, like, two or three games of the regular season. Actually, they came down to the last game again where they need to win and get help. Last year, they didn't get help. This year, they got help. But this year, they didn't win the game, so it doesn't even matter in the beginning. They choked away in March. And I'm sorry, I don't get how you can keep Julian. I don't know how you can understand or fathom why the Bruins keep Julian. It's Jul- I don't it's even Jul- know how you can keep Neely at this point. Is Julian a good coach? I think Julian is a good coach. I do. He's a fantastic coach. He's going to go somewhere and be successful. But I don't. But, he can't be the coach of this team anymore. But they need to, they need to when, you this, when you look at this in the spectrum, the shelf life of a coach isn't really that long. You're talking like four or five, six years at most. And Julian's been here nine. It's time for the change. As much as people don't want to hear it, it's time. We need to change up our style. We need to get with the league the way it is now. We can't be this back and forth. Do we want to be tough? Do we want to be speed? They have to make a decision. They do. It, it's they're they're caught. Otherwise, you otherwise you're gonna get what you got this year every year. They're caught in the middle right now, and the bad part is too is they were good enough to make the playoffs, and they didn't either year. And I don't get how you, I know it's oh I know it's a lot more on the players, but I don't know how you can't say like Claude Julian has a factor into that too. You can't see. And you have to wonder how nearly it doesn't factor into that too. It's a, it's a it's a lot more than we po- could possibly realize that like really big changes have to be made. And and although people might like certain players, changes have to be made. You have to give to get. So if you're gonna you, if you need defense, because we're gonna have to, I think that they're gonna end up buying out Chara personally. I can see that happening. In order to get another number one defenseman, you're gonna have to give up some players. It's part of the game. It is part of the game, and uh, the way you – like, you and I both want Julian gone. So, so for people that listen to the show and you wanted our takes on Julian, Jason and I both want Claude Julian gone. I wanted him gone last year. You know why? Because – You saw the change beginning to happen. I saw the changes. Yes, you knew it was going in a different direction. The Bruins – I always agree. I would have – and if we had had this podcast, I would have been in the same position last year. I wanted him gone last you year. You see it. They traded Lucic. They traded Hamilton. They were going in a more younger – and more speed type game, skill type game. That's not what Claude Julian does. His teams are more heavy, built on defense. And you looked at the Bruins defense this year and you said, they're not really as good or as big and tough as the Bruins defense from a few years ago when they went to the Stanley Cup and they went in the Cup. You could just tell it, the Bruins were in a transition stage. And that's not the thing for Claude Julian. Claude Julian does not, should not be coaching a transition from being a Tough physical team to more of a skill speed team. He's not the coach for that. No, Julian's going to get his job somewhere. He's Julian's going to get a job somewhere if the Bruins fire him, and he's going to be successful. And you have to root for that. You have to root for him. You can't not root for him. He's a good coach. He's a good guy. He's a class act on his team. It's just the Bruins management needs to make a decision because if this happens next year, you're talking about the entire team being rebuilt. Neely's going to get fired. Sweeney's going to get fired. It's all going to be gone because the Jacobs won't put up with it. Yeah, three straight years missing the playoffs. You cannot miss the playoffs three straight years. It'd be a disaster. Unless they did an absolute full rebuild like the Toronto Maple Leafs did where they tore down everything. And that's what I think has to happen now. I mean, when was the last time the Bruins missed the playoff two straight years in the non-lockout era? Yeah, I don't know. The 60s. I don't know. The 60s. It's it's bad because more than half the teams in the NHL make the playoffs. More than half. 16 of 30 teams. And it's an even worse position when you think about the fact that the trade deadline. They could have decided to sell and maybe gone for one of those top five picks. And then now they're a medio- me- middle mediocre team where it's not really helping themselves out for the future anyway. Yeah, they're picking like 15th. 
Like, what the hell is that? It doesn't really do it. I mean, I know you can still get a good player, but you're not getting a franchise-altering player. At 50- you waste, They wasted four picks to get Stemniak and Lyles and miss the playoffs. I mean, it's a disaster. Absolute disaster. And let's touch on some of the moves Sweeney made. And I'm on record on this show as saying, and I'm on record anywhere that you hear me talk about the Bruins, and they say, what do you think about Sweeney? And I say, you know what? I gave him one more year because that he took over for Shirelli. He has the Bruins in pretty good cap space. He's out there out of cap jail, you could say. But that's if they don't sign Erickson. If they sign Erickson, it'll kind of put them up against the, the cap a little bit again. But, but let's discuss Don Sweeney's moves quickly. So we've talked about a few of them. I would say his best, one of his best moves has been signing Matt Pulaski. And I think Matt Pulaski is an honest player. He works hard. He gives you what you need to do. And I'm, I'm okay with Matt Pulaski on this team. I actually, that's I agree with that. Matt Bolesky with the steal for the price they got on Matt because he wanted a lot more originally. He was gonna, he was going to be one of those players who was supposed to go for six point five million. You got him for four. Can't really complain too much about that deal. Yeah, and and he plays hard. He plays well. He's one of those effort players that you see on the ice every single night. You saw it yesterday too. He's already said to himself he needs to be better, so he'll he'll be coming back with a fire next year. But that's what you want to hear. He had, he was actually accountable. He was one of the only players that was accountable. He said it on a tweet, I need to be better. We need to be better. No one's more disappointed than me. Like, you know what? Even though, like, I respect that. I do. I respect him saying that. Even though but it's he's not also, good enough. He's also, he's also, when you look at it that way, too, he's also one of those players who you could trade and still get some assets for. Not saying I would do it. Just, it's an option. I, I would keep Matt Bluffy. I think he... In my mind, I would probably keep him, too. I'm just saying, you know, depending on what management's thinking. So, uh, we, so that's one that's one deal. Also, I think the Milan Lucci trade was good. The, the, they they won that trade getting two first round picks out of it. That's a two good first trade rounds there. and um, Colin Miller. And Colin Miller and Colin Miller looks like he's got a lot of upside. If we can hear another right coach. You saw that yesterday too. So those are the two moves that I think Sweeney made that were good. Now we go to the bad ones. Adam McQuaid. Adam McQuaid sign, signing for. Two point what two point five million or something like that two point seven yeah for four for four years when you could have had Tory Krug well not even just that it's like why are you going to sign Adam McQuaid to four years of that money he's a, he's not a top four defenseman he's a five or six defenseman you can find five or six defensemen off the street look at the playoffs I know we're talking about Chicago but look at Chicago last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs they pretty much played four defensemen they didn't care about their five and six defensemen they're not paying. They're five and six defensemen. They're paying their top three defensemen because that's what you need to do to win. So that move does not make any sense to me. And now you're stuck with Adam McQuaid because who the hell wants to trade for Adam McQuaid at $2.75 million for three more years? It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. That move was awful. I hammered Sweeney for that from the beginning. I said he was having a good day. He was trading Hamilton. He was trading Lucic. And then he tra- and then he signed Adam McQuaid. Why? I don't understand. I do not get it. When he could have signed Tory Krug, who was an RFA anyway, when he would have been worth, Tory Krug would have been worth it with his age and his, with how young he is. It's just baffling, absolutely baffling. I'd never understand it. I don't get it. That move will just not make any sense to me. And then the Riley Smith for Jimmy Hayes trade is pretty self-explanatory. We know how that one went. Riley. I mean that one. That one, you know, you have a hard time hammering him for because you would. Who would have predicted Riley Smith? No, a good a, year I know. I'm not. I'm not hammering Sweeney, but I'm just saying. You know how that trade went. Yes, we all know how that trade went. Riley Smith's playing well in Florida. Jimmy Hayes did absolutely nothing for the Boston this year, and he got hammered. The Bruins. Jimmy Hayes got hammered this year in Boston. It was bad. 
Then you get to the trade deadline. They don't trade Louis Erickson. They trade for Stepniak and Lyles. And did that really even help? Because the Bruins still didn't make the playoffs with those players. So trading all your act, like you said, trading some of those picks did not help. You risk the you risk the future for a chance at making the playoffs that you don't get. That's a gamble. And that's ultimately where they should pay they should pay the price. As you you, you kept Erickson. And you know they got pressure from I think they got pressure from from up above to say we're making the playoffs this year so you're buying. It doesn't matter if they get pressure from up above. They're the ones that are doing the managing. They're the ones that need to make those decisions. The correct ones. I just don't get why you traded four picks for two players that you knew that you probably aren't going to keep after this year. They weren't. They you're not Stanley Cup contenders. You only give up that stuff when you're a Stanley Cup contender. So Chicago giving up a first round pick and a prospect for Andrew Ladd makes sense because Chicago, you know, is a cup contender. Chicago is dominant. Exactly. You're, they're a cup contender. So makes- Chicago is the only dynasty in this league right now. And you can call Chicago a dynasty. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you can probably call them a dynasty. Yeah. Especially if they win it this year, or even if they get to the Stanley Cup Finals again, or the Conference Finals, you can look at them and say that they're the best team in the modern era, the best team in quite some time. On a consistent basis in the last six years, you're ab- we absolutely have to say that because yeah. of the way they've been consistent. Agreed. And I forgot even the worst move of all from uh, Don Sweeney. Get up a third round pick for Zach Ronaldo. Zach Ronaldo, who hasn't been on this Bruins team for what three months now? Yep. And you give up a third round pick. A third. Third round picks are pretty good. You can sometimes find some value in the third round. Nope, you just give him away for Zach Ronaldo. Who's a joke? I mean, he they, he has something to prove going into the next season because he has to make moves. I mean, you cannot be scared. If Char's on this team next year, I'm going to be annoyed. I'm not going to be annoyed if Char's on this team because I don't think you're going to be able to get rid of his contract. No, but you can buy him out. Um, but they're not going to do that, though. They're not, I would. They're not going to. And to be honest, I don't, I, if Char actually didn't play that bad down the stretch, even though he played bad... He plays bad sometimes. Or at least, at least if you're going to have him on his team, he's not going to be your number one yes, anymore. You yes. have to manage him. Yes, I agree. If you're going to keep Chara, have him be like your three or four defense, but not your one or two. And he can't be your captain anymore either. because he's, he. Whereas there's no leadership with him. Um, he, he's not the one on the bench speaking up when the team's losing. That's Bergeron. Bergeron did it yesterday. It's just... It's, it's, I mean, I think you could keep Chara and have him be like a three or four defenseman. And I think your team would be pretty good that way. I think that would be a smarter move if they did that. Yes, I, I don't think you just buy him out. And- but if you're, if you're going to keep Char, you got to make other moves. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like, like Krejci or Rask has to go, or both of them. But let's go through the, let's go through the lines right right now, right? Ready? So you got yep. Bergeron. What are you doing? Keep, obviously, I think we're both keeping Bergeron. I think he's the most consistent Bruins. We're keeping Bergeron and Marchand off of that line. All right, we'll keep Bergeron and Marchand. And uh, so you, are you going to re-sign Marchand? This is the last year of his contract. This year. Yes, you, you have to. I think you, I th- I think you re-sign Marchand, too. I think him and Bergeron have been the only... How, how old is Marchand right now? I think he's 28. So re-sign him. You don't want to keep him until he's 35, but go four or five years, four years most. Give him the money he deserves. Yeah, I would probably give him, like hopefully, six, around like $6 million. Yeah, that's what I would do. Maybe even seven million because of the year he had this year. If he continues it next year, but you want to sign him before he goes into free agency. Yeah, definitely. I think I think signing Brad Marchand would be one of the best things to do. So you have Bergeron and Marchand, and the, you know Stepniak was on that line, and I don't think that Bruins are going to re-sign Stepniak. 
And if no. and if they do, if you if he was on like a uh minimum um, what is it vet minimum this year, which wasn't that much money. So if, if the Bruins give him like a mill, fine, you can have him on like your third line or you play. Yeah, one year one year mill. I might go for that first time. Yeah, but if you're giving him like two or three million, four million dollars, nope. no, see Mistake. you, see you later. Have have fun, have fun, sent me back. So this is this is where it gets interesting here. All right, so here's where it gets interesting for the Bruins. It's the second line. And we'll start with David Pashnik, because even though he was on the third line yesterday, he usually plays with Craig Gene Erickson. So we'll start with David Pashnik. I'm keeping David Pashnik. I think he showed some, some signs of hope this year. At the end of the he season, has one, we're, we're keeping Pashnik. That's automatic. He's got one year left on the contract. Do you re-sign him? I let him play him out. I let him play out the contract. And then I, and then, then I re-sign him afterwards, but... I, I think you have to have a little kind of like a little motivated Pashnik this year. And I think he did well, like me and you said. You and I said this, this past week, you've noticed Pashnik out there. You've noticed him. When he's on the ice, you notice him getting 15 goals this year after the injury injury start from the season. He had more, he had like just as many goals as Matt Bolesky and Ryan Spooner, and he, and he played like 30 less games. Exactly. So he's a player I would consider keeping, but definitely let him play it out. I, I, I won't keep him Pashnik. So, Louis Erickson, do you re-sign him or do you let him walk? Walk. Walk. See ya. You and I have been on the same tra- the same page with Louis Erickson from day one. From he day wants one. more than he's worth. He's not gonna get it on the. Free- he's not gonna get it on the market. He's, so he's gonna be thirty. He's gonna be thirty-one years old, and he wants a seven-year contract for six million. No, no nope. way. Those are the contracts that GMs get fired over. That, Absolutely. That's not. You can't be doing that with Louis Erickson. Nice player, but even still, did you even notice? Like Louis Erickson scored against. Um, the Hurricanes to tie the game, but besides that, do you even really notice Louis Erickson out there? No. He's not really a... Did, did you notice him yesterday? No, he's not a huge difference maker. He's not. Even though he did had... Did you notice him during even, the Red Wings game? Even though he had 30 goals, you look at Louis... I mean, you watch the Bruins games and you see him score, but, like, the games he doesn't score, you watch and you just go, did Louis Erickson even play? That's the question I ask, and that's why you know he's not worth what he wants to get paid. No, he's not a difference maker, so that's why... I'm all set with the Bruins, not not re-signing him. Good riddance to you. I'm sorry, Louis. Sorry. So for that second line, now let's next question, David Krejci. David Krejci. Now here's where it gets interesting. I've been a big, big supporter of David Krejci. I think David Krejci has been one of the best Bruins this year. I think he's been. I think the Bruins. He's been one of the more consistent. I shouldn't say consistent. One of the better players on the Bruins for quite a few years now. I love David Krejci. I love the way he plays. I think he's undervalued in Boston. I really I really think people don't understand what Krejci does well and what he doesn't do well. And they don't realize that Krejci led the team in playoffs, led the whole NHL in playoff scoring. Both years, the Bruins went to the Cup. So I think when David Krejci plays well, the Bruins play well. And you saw it against Detroit when David Krejci played pretty well. And But the thing is, there is a lot of games where Krejci does not play well. And there's a lot of games where you don't really notice Krejci. And he goes through funks and stretches of not scoring. I love Krejci. I do. If I would like to keep him, but if I'm Don Sweeney, I'm looking to trade him. Because you need to start changing up the culture of this team. You can't be having the same players just cruise on by. You Bergeron, Krejci, Martian, Chara, Rask. That was pretty much your core that you went with. And your core's not getting it done. The past two years, they haven't got it done. You need to make a culture change. So the first player I'm looking to move off of that Besides Rask is David Krejci. You have to look at and that's the, and that's the name that you hear come up the most. I'm actually glad to hear that you came around to that. He 
He's a great player. Don't get me wrong. You're right. Many people in Boston undervalue him. And you watched the way he played with Lucic and Horton. He was a leader for many years on, the, years on this team, especially in his stats, especially in the playoffs. But with his contract and the fact that you can see that he's slowly beginning to go downhill when it comes to injuries, he's a player you have to look to move. It's just it's one of the I think it's one of the most realistic people to trade to because I think he's going to have some great value on the trade market. Other teams other teams crave for a top end talent at center. You know what I mean? And I think David and David Krejci can be a number one center, number two center on another team. But I mean, being being realistic, what we're looking at and saying by trading David Krejci is the fact that the Bruins are not a playoff contender anymore. They are not going to go far in the playoffs in the near future. So you're looking to rebuild this team, and Krejci's one of those players that has to go in the rebuild. Yes, and even if you're trying to retool and not say you don't want to say rebuild and they're trying to retool, I still think David Krejci's a guy you need to look at to move. They haven't made the playoffs the past two seasons. I mean, no one's off limits besides Bergeron, in my opinion. No one. No, I agree completely with that. I mean, maybe Martian's untouchable, but... He's. I'd even still consider trading him with the right for the right trade. I, that's what I'm saying. I think I would consider Marshan too, but I would, I'd really have to be blown away by Marshan. So I don't want people, you know, trying to say, "Oh, I'm saying the Bruins for them to trade Marshan." I'm not saying for them to trade Marshan. I'm saying no, it has to be an overpay. Yes, the team has to be willing to overpay greatly for Marshan if they see value in Marshan yeah. going to his last year of his contract. I mean, all right, let's get into the third line here. So you have. We'll start with Matt Bolesky. We both kind of said we both keep Matt Bolesky. I mean, you can deal him if you want, but I think that he brings it every game. I think he's a good player. on a thir- I think he's a good third-line player. He gives hustle. He, he, he grits. He'll fight. He'll do whatever it takes to win. I like Matt Bolesky on this team. I agree with that. I'm not going to argue that one. All right, so now let's get into the, this one, and I want to hear your thoughts. What are your thoughts on Ryan Spooner? No, it's very interesting that you say that because – I think under the right coach, Ryan Spooner still has potential. I mean, you saw it to begin the year. Ryan Spooner is a young player. He's not getting paid that much. If you're trying to rebuild this team and stay young, I would consider keeping Ryan Spooner. This this is one. This he's an, he's an interesting name to bring up too. Is Ryan Spooner because, like you said, at the beginning of the year, he, it seemed like he was having a breakout year. You go, wow, here comes Spooner. You know, he was controlling the power play. He was he was scoring and setting up players in the in the regular season. I mean, not even strength too. Ryan, not you said, does not make that much money. I think I would look into if he was like a throw-in in a trade to get like a bigger trade back. Do you know what I mean? If like no, I would in that kind of instance, yes. I mean, if you're not, I wouldn't trade Ryan Spooner all alone on his own. He's not worth that kind of value. But if you're gonna throw him in there for an extra sweetener, he's definitely got the value to be willing to trade. Yes, that's what I mean. But I mean, I'm thinking about keeping Spooner too. I think, like you said, he's still young. He's still maturing. Last year was his last year was his first full NHL season. You know, like he's still young. He's still growing into it. I, I think I, I know. That I know that he disappeared a little bit at the end of the season. I had heard that he was injured, so I can, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one because he played hard for most of the season. I'll I'll be willing to take take Ryan Spooner too and keep him. I don't. I just don't think. I I just think you can keep him and let him grow one more year and see see what happens next year because he's been the, what? Yeah. he's been in the NHL for a full year now. So see what happens next year. Worst, worst comes worst. He becomes a good player next year. You have him for the trade deadline. There's value. Right. So there you go. So then you have, well, I mean, I'm not going to bring up Brett Connolly and Jimmy Hayes. We, every, yeah, we'll leave them being. Everyone, everyone knows how we feel about them. And if they're on this team next year, it's bad. And I think Jimmy Hayes could be one of those contracts to get the buyout, by the way, Jason. Yes, he's one of those contracts for sure. 
the fourth line, you know what? I'm pretty happy with the Bruins' fourth line. Petrano, Achari, Ferraro, that's fine by me. All young, all on. What about Tyler Randall? I'd keep Tyler Randall. I do like Tyler Randall. Because I like Tyler Randall on that fourth line. I, I mean, for the number of games that he played, the number of goals that he scored, he should have gotten more playing time. I agree, but I agree. I might, what I might do is I might keep, I would keep Randall over Ferraro. As crazy as that sounds. No, I don't think it's that crazy because, like you said, Ferraro's a fourth-line player. It's not like he blew it up this year. You know what I mean? Good player. And I, and also, I would look into moving Vitrano up with, with, with the way things go because Vitrano, we've already said, is a second or first-line player But in the right system. I like those people on the fourth line, like those players. You need to start accumulating young players into your lineup, and I think they played very well against Detroit. You know, they played okay yesterday against Ottawa. But they're your fourth line. They don't look at to be gangbusters every game. They look at to be energy-type players. They give you a shift every now and then. I'm fine with that fourth line. But I understand your point about Ferraro and Randall. I get it. And, and I would want to move Vitrano up. And then, because I think Vitrano is more of an offensive player than a fourth liner. All right, so we get to the, the Bruins' defense. And I think everyone knows where we stand on the defense. You would look to trade Shara. I would look to keep him. But we both said if the Bruins keep him that he has to be a third like a th- number three and number four defenseman, he cannot lead the way again. If he leads the way, you're in trouble. Yeah, you're in trouble. Uh, let's, if he has to lead, he's not that. He's not that kind of player anymore. I, I think we're both keeping Colin Miller. Yes. Now, what about Sidenberg? I, I I think you have to get rid of Sidenberg anyhow, anyway. Yeah, automatic there. I mean, his no trade clause rights are gone after December of next year, but he'll chances are he'll waive it anyway. Well, he even said last year if the or I'll leave my no trade clause, which which, yeah. which you don't really hear from players. But to be honest, Sandberg's been a warrior for this team. He's he's been playing. He's played great minutes for this team, but he's just injured now. He's just old. He's just not himself anymore. And to get rid of that four million dollar cap hit for the next three years, seasons would be huge because Sandberg doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't. He broke down the end of this year. He got hurt last year. Got hurt the year before. It's, you can't do it anymore with Seinenberg. It's too much. And now what about, and we're gonna, I'm going to keep going with this, Kevin Miller, gone. Gone. I'm sure we both agree on that. Adam McQuaid, look to trade, or do you keep? I look to trade him, but I don't think anyone's going to take him, so I think you're stuck with him. You, do you see him being a throw-in player? See him being what? A throw-in player in a trade, like Ryan, like the way we would have we utilized Ryan Spooner? I just don't think anyone's going to take McQuaid's contract, I think people would take Spooner because he's young and he's on like a $1 million contract, you know what I mean? I think McQuaid... So it's pretty much like the Bruins are stuck with him. Yeah, okay. I, think the, I think McQuaid just makes too much money for for a number five, number six defenseman. Now our defense was so bad, I don't remember other defensemen. Who else do we have? Yeah, Joe Morrow, whatever. Yeah. Zach Schaubman, no, whatever. That's going to look different anyway. They're supposed to be depth defensemen. They're not supposed to be anything big. Joe Michael Lyles... He played well for the Bruins when he was in there, but I don't think the Bruins can re-sign a 35-year-old defenseman. No, they can't, for sure. No and then, then that brings us to like the biggest name yet, and that's a Tuka Rask. Yeah, and, and, and we're both mutual on that. Yeah, we talked about Rask. We talked about Rask earlier in the show, and I, I refused to come around on Rask. I thought he was elite, and after yesterday's performance and not playing, 
after doing the same thing in the Olympics, not showing up in Montreal, I'm all set with Super Ask. And choking in big games, and I'm I'm all set with our $7 million goalie who doesn't play like a $7 yeah, million. I'm, I'm, I'm all, I think he's just an average goaltender. I'm all set with Super Ask. And he, like you said, he doesn't, he doesn't win you a game. And he, and he taps out when it's big. Taps out. It's fine. And you can't have that. You can't have that. Nope, not one bit. So, Tukarask, sorry, see ya. So, here's my other question. If Julian is fired, who should take this team over? I've, we heard Milbury's name come up yesterday. I don't want, I do not want, I want I'm okay with that one, no Milbury. I would want Cassidy. I really want this team to bring up Cassidy. And see, the thing is, it's tough because you look at some of the teams around the NHL, right? And you have Detroit, who just made the playoffs yesterday over the Bruins. They brought up their they brought up their AHL coach. It seems to be working out pretty well for them. You have Detroit. I mean, no, not Detroit. You have Philadelphia, who hired with Haxtell. Haxtell from North Dakota, who seems to be doing a better job with the Flyers than Barubi did, their previous coach. You have John Cooper now coaching Tampa Bay. He wasn't really, you know, a sought after guy. So I don't think it's our like I, I don't really know who it's gonna be. But like if you make a move like that, I would actually enjoy it. You know what I mean? Someone under, I would be okay with it. Even if they struggled, I would be okay with someone, it because it give us a chance to see something new. Someone a little bit under the radar that you're not expecting. Because I think you can do that in the NHL. Sign a coach that you don't really expect to be a big-name coach, and you can do pretty well. Like Florida's yeah. coach as well. I don't think he's a big-name sought-after head coach. He seems to be doing well with that team. So No, so it, it gives the, the Bruins have options, but you, can't, you have to go for the change. And my other question is, would you keep Neely at this point? I give him and Sweeney one more year, and I know Neely's been through everything with this team, and you know he's a big factor in why they're they are where they are. But I feel like Sweeney's more of his guy than Shirelli was, so I feel like if Sweeney, you know, can maybe right the ship a little bit and get the Bruins back on track, you let Neely, you you give Neely a little bit more leeway there. But if Sweeney if Sweeney fails, Cam fails. See you both. And that and that's next year because the the management not management ownership's gonna want playoffs next year. Yeah, I mean, that's, if you miss, I mean, if you miss the playoffs three straight years, that's embarrassing. With the players they have too. I mean, they still have a chance with some of the core players, but really, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting summer with the changes that are gonna have to be made. I, there's gonna be a lot of moves we don't see coming. I hope so. I hope so. But I definitely think Rasker Krejci for a D man would work. Getting rid of Sally for a top defenseman. I think so, too. That's something the Bruins have to look into. But there was just been some breaking news around the NHL that happened just this morning before Jason and I started doing the podcast show is Pavel Datsu, great Russian player for the Detroit Red Wings, will walk away from the NHL next season. He will retire and go back to his homeland in Russia. He, he said it was for personal and family reasons that he wants to go back. I respect him. He's had a great career. He's been one of the best NHL players to watch probably for the past 10 years or so. So much skill, so much grit, heart. Just a great all-around player, Pavel Datsuk. So best of luck to him in the in his future. And it's been a treat to watch him play, and it's going to be a treat to watch him play in the playoffs in this final year of his of the NHL, car, NHL career. Pavel Datsuk is one of these players that you have a hard time rooting against, even when he was on the Red Wings and playing in the Bruins. He's, been a, he's a great player. Wish him the best in retirement, and who knows? You could see him playing hockey in Russia. You never know. Yeah, I think he's gonna be actually. That's actually what he's gonna be doing because he wants to be closer to his family. And you, you can't blame him. He's been in the NHL for over ten years. You can't blame him. You really can't. But best of luck to him. He's great, absolutely great. 
one of those players that I really respect. For sure. All right, Jason. So now we do have all the playoff matchups in the NHL, though. They are all set. You have in the Eastern Conference. They're not. What? Give me one moment. They're not all completely set just yet. Cause you got one more game today, but we'll work with it. Are you sure they're not set? I thought they were all set. The Islanders have one more game today, and they are one point behind the Rangers. Okay, interesting to note there. So, which is interesting because do you play to if lose? The Islanders lose you, today. They get the they get the Pandas in the first round. Yeah, if you're the Islanders, do you play to lose? Yes. You do, right? Yep. Matchup. You have a better matchup against the Panthers. That's unbelievable. Wouldn't it be unbelievable if they did, if they lost on purpose? Yeah, John Tavares, we don't want to play you today. Sorry. Yeah. Well, that's why I was saying that that there was no chance that the Philadelphia Flyers were gonna lose. We're gonna lose this weekend. Oh wow! You know what's interesting too is that the Anaheim and Washington are playing tonight too. So the one seed in the West isn't set either. So they aren't all set. Wow! I jumped the gun there, huh? We we can still we can still work with it though, based on what we have. Yeah, we can still work with it. Um. So let's start with in the Eastern Conference. We'll go. So the Florida Panthers will either play the Rangers or the Islanders. And if you're the Florida Panthers, you want to face the New York Islanders. You want no part of the New York Rangers. No way. That's me personally. I wouldn't want the Rangers. Yeah, I would want the Islanders first. And I think if the Rangers play the Panthers, the Rangers will win. If the Panthers play the Islanders, the Panthers will win. You get what I'm saying? I'm going to agree with both of those. Yeah, you get what I'm saying there? Yeah, I'm going I'm to agree with both of those. All right, you got then you got Tampa Bay against Detroit. This is this is final. This is definitely the matchup. And even though Tampa Bay is pretty banged up, and Pavel Datsuk announced it was his last year, I don't think the Red Wings have enough to beat the Lightning. No, the Red the Lightning are too good. You know when it comes to that matchup, so I'm gonna go with the Lightning on that. You got the Capitals against the Flyers. Jason picked the Flyers a few months back and said, "Watch out for them. They finally get into the playoffs." And Philadelphia. That's a, that's a heck of a prediction to get correct, isn't it? Yeah, that was a good one. You said from the you said from like the early like February, you're like watch out for the Flyers, and you nailed it right on the head because they're in the playoffs. They're playing Washington, and this is gonna be a tough series more than people think. Because I think Philly plays Capitals pretty tough. No, Philly Philly does play the Capitals tough, but I think the Capitals have a lot of firepower. They're a different team. I would I'm still gonna go with yeah, the Capitals. Yeah, I think the Capitals prevail, but I think it's gonna be like a six or seven game series, not just. I could I could I could see a six game yeah. series out of that. Then you have the Penguins against the Rangers or Islanders. And I'm going to say the same thing for the Penguins. I think if you're the Penguins, you want no part of playing the New York Rangers. I don't think you would, with uh, Marc-Andre Fleury being out, I don't think you want playing anybody right now. No, but they're on fire right now. No, they are. The Pens are on fire for sure. And, you know, they have Crosby and Latang. So I'm going to give the Penguins the benefit on that one. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the same thing I say about the Panthers. If the Penguins play the Rangers, I think they're going to lose. If they play the Islanders, I think they're going to win. I'm going to do something crazy and disagree with you for once. I'm going to say the Penguins both ways. All right, there you go. So then, um, so this, I mean, we'll, we'll still have the shows every week and break down what we see around the NHL and what break down Bruins news. But I want to ask you, um, you know, we picked all the first-round matchups for the, for the Eastern Conference. Who was your pick to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals from the East? Oof. Good question. It's tough. How do you pick? How do you pick against the Capitals? I know it's so tough, isn't it? How do you pick against them? I mean, Capitals or Rangers, really? Those are the two teams I'm leading to too. I don't think the Penguins will be able to make a push, 
And I think Tampa Bay is too banged up. They don't have... Tampa Bay without Stan Coast has it rough. I mean, it could be that surprise team like Florida, but Florida is still gaining experience in that area. So with the veteran like Jagger, who's got a lot of playoff experience, I could see the Panthers making the conference finals, but that's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. Uh, I'm going to say the Capitals too, just because I don't see anyone else in the East really taking it. I mean, it's it's been a down Eastern Conference this year. So No, it has been. It's been that kind of year, and the Capitals have been the dominant force in that Eastern Conference. All right, let's get to the juicy matchups out West here. This is what I'm excited to watch. I'm going to be watching every single one of these games. So you have Dallas against Minnesota. And to be honest, this is a very good matchup for the Stars. The Stars are hope Sagan comes back, but Minnesota's not one of the, you know, you don't look at Minnesota as one of the top teams in the Western Conference. Good team, very solid team Minnesota is, but I think this was the best first-round matchup for the Stars. The Stars finished atop of the Central Division, which is one of the hardest divisions in hockey. And, and they have, Top the star, Stars are the best of the West right now. And they avoided the first-round dreaded matchup of playing Chicago or St. Louis, which I think is massive for the Stars. And that's why you got to give the Stars a win on that one, and probably in six games. I can see the Wild giving them a little bit of a run. I think the Stars going to beat the Wild. No, that's yes, easily. I'm gonna see. I can see the Wild giving them a run, but I'll say the Stars in six. Yeah, so the Stars in Minnesota should be a pretty good series. This is the the one of the best. These are one of these two is gonna be the best series of the first round. Is St. Louis and Chicago is gonna be an absolute war. They've played in the playoffs the past two seasons, and they've both been absolute hard hitting games, hard fought series. This this is gonna be a good series. Before I pick the winner, do you see the series going seven? Yes. And St. Louis would be at home in the seventh game. It doesn't matter about who's home. They're playing Chicago. I mean, I think it usually matters when you're like when you're playing other teams, but I don't think it matters against Chicago. See, that's a tough one because I, I I haven't seen Corey seen or heard any news on Corey Crawford being back in the lineup. I, so you, you talking know, about gonna, Chicago? I'm gonna say this is the Blues' year. The Blues have they've lost to Chicago the past two years. You know, I know that something's gonna give here. I think St. Louis is going to get. I'm 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 nitpicking here, but I, I mean, I mean picking from my. I don't even know. I'm just picking from a hat, pretty much, and I'm going to say St. Louis wins. I don't know why. I'm going to go with St. Louis too because of the Corey Crawford issue. I mean that that could be the difference maker. Then you have the Los Angeles Kings against either the Sharks or the Predators, and you have the Anaheim Ducks against either the Sharks or the Predators. And I think if you're the Ducks or the or the Kings, you want to play the Predators. Either way, yes, you got to go with one of those teams meeting the Predators. But I can I can see the Kings and the Ducks coming down in the Pacific. Yeah, I don't see the Kings or Ducks losing to either one of those teams in a seven-game series anyways. The real question is who's going to come out of that West that's not beating up the least. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a limb here and say, even though it's not really a limb, I'm going to say the Anaheim Ducks. You're going to go with the Ducks? I'm going to go with the Ducks, and I don't know why. I think maybe I'm not feeling I, – I, I like the Kings. I do. I think they're a great team, and they always find a way to get it done sometimes in the playoffs too. But I don't know. I think it's like the Lucic factor. And, I mean, maybe I'm being a little bit holding the grudge for against Lucic, and I don't want him to win another cup with the Kings. But I just want – I just think the Ducks. I just like the Ducks. I like the way they play. I, I like Getzlaff. I like Corey Perry. I just think the Ducks are, are a good team. The Ducks were overdue. I have a hard, I I like why you picked the Ducks. I was gonna go with the Kings, so I'm gonna stick with the Kings. 
There you go. Those are your picks. You're gonna go with the, so you have the Kings and Capitals. I have the Ducks and Capitals. And I think the Ducks and Capitals would be pretty funny too because the, the Ducks coach Bruce Boudreaux is the former Washington Capitals coach, so I think it would be great. No, it's uh, either way. It's gonna be very interesting. We're gonna be changing these predictions as the series go along, and when the bracket picture really starts to shape out. But it's gonna be a fun first round for the playoffs to watch those seven games, especially in the West. Oh yeah, I the, mean, the NHL playoffs are by far the best playoffs in any sport. I don't care what anyone says. No, any sport you're gonna go with the NHL playoffs, hands down. It's gonna be an exciting year this year. Yes, the Bruins aren't in it, but man, you got some hard fighting teams in this in this league still. Yes, you definitely do. And that will conclude our episode of Bruins Beat. We, don't worry, we will still be giving these podcasts for the, during the off season. You know. It, maybe it won't be every week, but it might be every other week because sometimes the NHL offseason doesn't. There's not much to talk about for a week, so we'll play it by year. We'll let everyone know. We'll mark it when the next show is going to be. We'll we'll definitely keep doing the show up until the Stanley Cup Finals, so that way we, we can break down everything that going around in the league and the NHL. And I think there's going to be some big changes with the Bruins coming soon, so stay tuned for that. Also, don't forget to tune into our good friends over at Red Sox Beat. Uh, Jess Lauren and Ad, uh, Jess Lauren and Jared do a great job breaking down Red Sox stuff. Red Sox are off to a hot start. They're three and one, Jason. You know, and they've been exciting, even though the pitching, some of their pitching's been awful. They've been exciting. Yeah, the offense looks good. They, they seem to be able to hit the ball. So go, go listen to the Red Sox. I'm all for them keeping Sandoval on the ben- on the uh, bench, though. Yeah, I see his butt buckle. I'm sure they'll be talking about that on Red Sox beat because Sandoval broke his belt. Um, but so yeah, go, go go listen to them. They do a great great job breaking down all the games, breaking down. Uh, all the series, they they do a great job. So listen to them. Also go to cons.radio.com. You have everything you need to everything you need to know. There's a lot. There's good Celtics coverage. There's good Patriots coverage. We even got some NASCAR, some fantasy stuff. So please check out our website. We do. Everyone does a great job over there. Um, so we will talk to you next week, and we'll break down you know some great action of the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first week. We'll probably be able to know if Claude Julian it will be fired or not because I don't think it should be taking that long. And I think if we talk to you next week's episode and Claude Julian is still the coach of the team, it will look pretty bad for the Bruins, in my opinion. But So we'll talk to you next week. We'll break down everything. Um, we'll see who makes it out of the first round and who makes it to the Stanley Cup. So it should be an exciting uh, Stanley Cup playoffs to watch. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter. I am jbuck2087. And Mike, what's your Twitter name? Mike Seta 22 and you can also find us on Bruins Beat Podcast on Twitter. You can find us on our CLNS radio app and on iTunes at Bruins Beat Podcast. Yeah, and if you if you guys ever want to tweet in or say anything to us, by all means, tweet at Jason or I or tweet it to our Bruins Beat pod, Podcast on Twitter. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you. We do a great job of really answering everyone that wants to be answered. So feel free. I take it back. I'm Jason Buckley, 91. I can't believe I forgot my own Twitter name. That's right. Sometimes everyone has mental lapses, kind of like the Bruins season. <laughs> you're, you're all fed up with the Bruins season. That's why. But oh yeah, no, it's like I said, it's gonna be a great off season. And we're looking forward to keeping the show going during the off season. Absolutely. So stay tuned. We'll always give you updates on when the next show will be. But we'll definitely do a show next week because, and we'll definitely keep doing these shows for probably the next few few months or so to to break down. The great action around the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, but we'll talk to we'll talk to you next week. I go Bruins, I guess. Yeah, go Bruins. Yeah. Go NHL playoffs. Go NHL playoffs. Absolutely. Everyone have 
and as safe and and hopefully your team does does well. I guess. I mean, I, I don't really. I'm not really pulling for anyone in particular. I'm just hoping for some good hockey. Let's have some good hockey. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good day.